welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our Reed Smith Tech Law Talks podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss the legal framework of data transfers from an EU, UK, and a Chinese perspective. We will go through the typical cases of data transfers between these regions and explain best practices. I'm Cynthia Donoghue from Reed Smith's London office. I'm accompanied today by Andy Splitgerber in our Munich office and by Barbara Lee in our Beijing office. All of us are members of the Reed Smith Global Tech and Data Practice. And now, Barbara, let's start with you. Give us a, a, a high-level explanation of the data transfer rules for China. What do Chinese entities need to do to transfer data from China to, let's say, the EU or UK? What are the new developments? Great. Thank you very much, Cynthia, for that question. Uh, actually, in China, there have been recently quite significant developments in China in terms of transferring the data from China to countries outside China, for example, to the EU or the UK. Um, actually, uh, under the Chinese laws, there are quite a comprehensive uh, legal regime uh, in terms of uh, the cybersecurity and data privacy. And uh, for example, in China, we have uh, three major laws the data security law, cybersecurity law, and the personal information protection law. All these are three laws are provide for provisions in relation to what specific legal requirements uh, cross-border data transfer from China to outside China will need to be complied with. For example, under the uh, China's uh, personal information protection law, which is the newest law among all these three, cross-border data transfer under uh, the PIPL, the personal information protection, will need to follow the legal regimes under that law. So basically under that law, there are four mechanisms uh, permitted to transfer the data from China outside China. So those are four legal mechanisms include uh, number one, the security assessment carried out by the Chinese regulator, which is the Cyberspace Administration of China in short name CAC. And the second mechanism is the security certification, uh, which needed to be performed by a qualified third party certification institution. And the third mechanism uh, is the cross-border data transfer agreement. And this agreement is required to be prepared based on the standard contract clauses uh, drafted by the Chinese regulator, which is the Chinese CAC. And the fourth mechanism, uh, actually, that is a, a catch-all mechanism. That is uh, the mechanism permitted under other laws and regulations, including the uh, bilateral international treaties or conventions uh, where China is a party to it. So among all these uh, four mechanisms, actually so far, uh, the first mechanism, uh, which is a security assessment uh, mechanism that is uh, most commonly used so far, because according to the uh, regulations uh, recently issued by the Chinese authorities, especially last year to, in 2022, there have been quite a comprehensive uh, new development under how this uh, security assessment can be carried out. 
So according to the new regulations, uh, which became effective uh, from 1st September last year, for uh, the personal data or important data uh, to be transferred from China to uh, like EU or um, the US or some other countries outside China, if the data fall into the category which is subject to the mandatory security assessment, that means the uh, data exporter is required to put together the documentation and go through the security, go through the self-assessment, and also work with the Chinese uh, authorities uh, to get uh, the security assessment done. And I think uh, it's also very important to note that there is a very important timeline. Is going to we are going to uh, approach uh, that line or that important timeline, which is uh, by the end of uh, February. So the security assessment is required to be carried out by the end of February this year in 2023 if the uh, uh, cross-border data transfer fall into the categories uh, for the mandatory uh, requirement. And in order to complete that process, actually the uh, data exporter is required to work together with their foreign data recipient to put together a quite a comprehensive information documentation and also finish uh, the self-assessment and also make the submission to the authority. So the timeline, actually the deadline is approaching. So it's uh, very important for the relevant companies and uh, to fully aware of that uh, deadline and also take uh, relevant remediation or the compliance actions uh, as soon as possible. Thank you very much, Barbara. It sounds like quite an onerous process. And I appreciate your taking us through the different steps. Now let's turn to Europe. Andy, can you give us a brief summary of the transfer situation from the EU to China? What are the main issues that the European Data Protection Board and some of the supervisory authorities are concerned with? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Cynthia. And thank you, Barbara. And hello, everyone. Andy Splitgerber from the Munich office of Reed Smith. I guess most of the listeners are familiar with the data transfer mechanisms from Europe and the ones from China, somewhat similar to the ones from Europe. So Barbara, perhaps you can give us later a brief compare so the Europeans get a feeling what the, what the security assessment, the standard is and, and, and what the contract also look like, the transfer contract. So in Europe, um, you all know the mechanisms. What's really discussed at the moment, of course, after the Schrems II decision, is uh, whether and how standard contractual clauses can be sufficient for a data transfer. You all know that we, or Europe, launched the new standard contractual clauses um, in autumn 21, and there was the deadline um, for existing agreements to change those to the new standard contractual clauses at this, on December 27 last year. So by now, all organizations in Europe transferring data outside Europe have to be on the new model clauses. That's the clear. The question is what needs to be done on top to get the data out of Europe that is the so-called transfer impact assessment that is recommended or prescribed by the model clauses that's clause 14 and it's important that this transfer impact assessment needs to be made in all kinds of transfers so also in a controller to controller situation for example 
the EDPB, the European um, Data Protection Board, recommends in a paper the so-called six steps um, that needs to be taken into account when data is transferred outside Europe. And the core piece is the transfer impact assessment. Basically, it's an assessment of the laws of the importing country, whether or not these laws allow the data importer to comply with the clauses. Or are there any laws, especially in the intelligence or national security space, that allow or do not allow the data importer to comply with the SEC. So in the example um, taken by Cynthia, we have to look if when we're exporting data from Europe to China, um, we have to check the Chinese laws and check whether the Chinese data importer can comply with the SECs under uh, Chinese laws or not. And that's something perhaps, Barbara, you can, you can comment in a minute as well. Just a final outlook into the future. What's at the horizon is an adequacy decision, but unfortunately not for China, but that's something um, that should be on the agenda. And now we're talking about an adequacy decision for the US, um, similar like the former privacy shield. We have seen the draft end of last year of this decision. We have seen Joe Biden's executive order in, in September or October 22 and on this basis, the European Commission is currently working on an adequacy decision for the U.S. for then certified companies in the U.S. Uh, the question that is being discussed heavily at the moment is whether or not this adequacy decision will be passed. And if yes, whether this will be grant sufficient security to data exporting and also importing companies or whether they still need to have the SECs in the back pocket because Schrems 3 will also be on the horizon. So that's the brief overview from Europe. Thanks very much, Andy. A lot of what you said is relevant for the UK, although there are, of course, some differences, particularly now that the UK has left the European Union. So um, as a result of that departure, the UK domesticated the GDPR into its national law under the European Withdrawal Agreement. So we have the Data Protection Act 2018 and we have the UK GDPR. We also have a bill that's pending. It um, is likely to change the UK GDPR. And one of the topics of change is around data transfers. Now that bill had two readings in Parliament and then is withdrawn. We are expecting it come back to Parliament at some point during 2023. And we know that the ICO would like to get to a position where they can be seen to endorse um, a change to the UK data protection laws. But the ICO, as a result of you know, leaving the EU, has issued its own data transfer um, template agreement and a UK addendum. So the UK has the international data transfer agreement uh, which is used for organizations transferring data from the UK to other countries. Um, the UK does deem all Europe and all countries deemed adequate by Europe to still be adequate. And then the UK has also entered into different discussions with other countries, um, including in relation to the US on a, a framework similar to what the EU is negotiating, but it is likely to be slightly different. 
If a company is global in nature, however, they of course can use what's called the UK addendum to the SCCs, which is a short form agreement um, that essentially uses the principles of the SCCs and then certain mandatory clauses to note the differences between the EU and the, the UK. The, the ICO, you know, the Information Commissioner here in the UK, has been very silent in relation to transfers to China. So it's, it's, they haven't commissioned a paper like the EU did um, in relation to assessing transfers to China. So again, the, the assessment that needs to be done is in relation to the specific data that is going to be transferred, what the purpose is, and to aid organizations, the UK has actually issued a template transfer impact assessment. Now, they've tried to make it easy for organizations, but, you know, I mean, con- conducting these transfer assessments are not necessarily easy. And the, the template itself is over 40 pages long. So, you know, there's a lot of due care and attention that has to go into assessing whether a transfer can be made and whether that transfer will be adequate. Now, Barbara, let's let's come back to you. So can you highlight some compliance risks with cross-border transfers after that compliance window expires by the end of February, which you mentioned when you were first talking? What are some practical steps for organizations to consider in terms of risk and compliance? Indeed, uh, Cynthia, yeah, I think that is a very important point to note, especially for uh, MNCs and also for companies uh, which are doing business in China. As I just mentioned, actually, the compliance window is going to close by the end of February. And we expect the uh, Chinese authorities, uh, they are going to take uh, further investigations either to do the dawn rates or to make other uh, enforcement actions, especially from what Chinese authorities uh, have been uh, put on the uh, high agenda, uh, put, put on high priority for the agenda, like last year in 2022, Chinese authorities have been very active in taking the enforcement actions. Uh, for example, last year, we had a very high-level case where uh, one of the largest uh, Chinese internet company actually was uh, caught for not complying with the Chinese new data and cybersecurity laws and regulations. And that company was penalized and received a sky-high ticket of over $1 billion US dollar for the fine. And also two senior management, including the president and the CEO, uh, each of them individually received a fine up to $1 million RMB, which is about $150,000 US dollar, which is a maximum uh, penalty uh, the Chinese law would allow the authorities uh, to penalize uh, personal, um, the uh, persons in charge for the personal liability. And we expect, given that the Chinese laws and regulations are from data protection and privacy are getting more comprehensive, are getting more and more mature. And we expect uh, the Chinese authorities, uh, they will remain uh, very active uh, in taking the enforcement actions. So the uh, Chinese data compliance risk actually is getting more and more real in China. So it's uh, extremely important for the companies and to fully aware of the new regulations and new requirements under the evolving Chinese data and cybersecurity laws and uh, making a proper impact assessment 
in terms of uh, where are the compliance gaps and what remedial actions are that definitely need to take as soon as possible. And Cynthia, and uh, coming back to Europe, Cynthia, so what is the status of UK like uh, with the EU adequacy framework at the moment? And what do you expect to happen in the next one or two years? Um, well, the UK is deemed adequate right now. Obviously, the European Union is keeping an eye on the draft legislation to see how the UK will amend the, the UK GDPR. As I said, that bill's been um, withdrawn from Parliament after the two initial readings, so we don't yet know if the, the data transfer provisions as they were in the last draft is going to change. The EU at the time of the UK withdrawal made an adequacy decision in terms of the UK because, of course, the GDPR is completely transposed into UK law, and that adequacy decision was in place for four years and then would be reviewed now, you know, unless there's a material change. Now, the, the draft UK data protection bill, as I said, if it materially changes the data transfer positions, could affect that advocacy decision. If it doesn't, and there are no other changes in the UK, then our expectation is, is that the EU would continue to find the UK adequate at this point. But thank you for that question. It's, it's an important point that the UK doesn't have is indeed adequate forevermore and that it is something that's under review. Andy, back, back to you. You had started to mention transfer impact assessments from a European perspective. What are some practical implications for, for companies completing those TIAs uh, within the European Union? TIA is a difficult topic. First of all, I think the ICO document that you mentioned previously, the 40-page guidance, is the only real authoritative template or guidance document to guide companies through the TIA. Companies struggle with doing TIAs um, very much because in the end they have to be European Commission and assess the laws of the recipient country. That's quite a burden so many companies have problems making these assessments and of course supported by law firms or experts this assessment is being tried what we see a lot is general assessments of the recipient countries and then looking especially into supplementary measures mainly those recommended by the edpb in this paper of supplementary measures but this paper is not exclusive or exhaustive. Uh, companies can think of other uh, supplementary measures that may help in their cases to protect the data. So what we see a lot, of course, is trying to store data in Europe, trying to encrypt data, trying to pseudonymize data or even anonymize data. But of course, for many global organizations and global solutions, many of these measures are not possible. And so there, in practice, I would say there often remains a risk with companies, whether or not the TIA is sufficient or not. I have not seen major authority statements or fines where TIAs had been examined by data protection authorities. So in, in this context, Barbara, do you have one or two tips for our listeners when they do the transfer impact assessment to China, 
what do you or is there anything you see typically what Europeans do or where they see issues when they import data into China? And you thank for that. Um, I think uh, given that there have been more and more cases uh, where the data actually uh, has been transferring from Europe to China. And um, actually with the uh, more advanced uh, development of the Chinese data and the privacy laws, the uh, Chinese laws are getting more and more mature. So especially uh, with the new law uh, under the PIPL, the Personal Information Protection Law, and we have seen there are quite some provisions uh, under the Chinese data law which are actually mirror uh, the uh, provisions under the GDPR. So actually that is a very uh, positive uh, development. So that uh, makes uh, life easier for a lot of uh, MNCs and also their cross-border data transfer. And especially for uh, with the new requirements uh, which have been adopted in China from last year for the cross-border data transfer. So actually the protections uh, for personal data and privacy under the Chinese laws have become uh, more enhanced uh, than before. So that's why we have seen uh, in our first hand experience uh, when we work with our, our clients in Europe who actually are transferring the data to their subsidiaries in China or to their business partners in China. Actually, the transfer data impact assessment, when our uh, European clients are prepared the impact assessment for transferring the data from Europe to China, actually, uh, the uh, task of uh, putting together the data transfer impact is becoming uh, easier than before because uh, the new uh, cross-border data transfer mechanism actually now are able to provide a stronger protection to the data transfer from Europe or UK to China. So that has given people a lot more comfort, a lot more trust uh, in uh, the data protection in China. And also on the horizon uh, in 2023, uh, we are expecting new laws and regulations uh, to be drafted and to be adopted in China that will, will further enhance uh, the data protection in China. I think that would make uh, the uh, cross-border data transfer from UK or from Europe to China or from US to, try to China uh, will be further easier than before. Oh, that's good news. Uh, the further regulations, if uh, we can keep an eye out for that in 2023. Well, I hope you found that podcast helpful and thank you today for listening to us. That's the end of our episode in relation to data transfers from Europe, China, and the UK. And please come back and visit again so that you can listen to further podcasts in future. Thank you, everyone. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.